Welcome back, family. Athena Howard burst onto the scene in the mid-90s with the style that was in-your-face and funky. See, her chart-topping debut signaled to all who listened that a new star was born, she didn't care if you were ready to listen to what she had to say. That was the start of a career that would span decades and multiple hit records, and we're happy to welcome her to the family. Adina stopped by the Brownstone to talk frankly about her career, now and then, and the direction that her life has taken. We also found time to talk about our favorite restaurants, tips and sponsorship, and much, much more. You're going to enjoy this one. So let's go. Okay, so I don't think you need an introduction, but I'm, I'm clearly from a different generation who rep- appreciates music much more than these kids. I love you kids, but y'all don't know what y'all listening to. Um, please introduce yourself, though you need no introduction. Tell everybody who you are and how you got to where you are. Oh, my goodness. My name is Adina Howard, and I got to where I am. Um, Didn't happen overnight, but my song T-shirt and panties, Freak Like Me, and what we got, Nasty Grime, has, has put me on the charts and made me a household name, starting with Freak Like Me. A lot of a lot of these younger people. Um, see, I'm I'm running down the street screaming. Adina Howard is talking to me, and a lot of the younger folk don't really know the song until they hear it, and then all of a sudden they know every single word. You are a legend. <laughs> wow, thank you. You are a legend. Um, no one's ever born a legend, though. How did it all start for you? Oh my gosh, where do we begin? Um, My mother used to force me to sing at a young age and I hated it because I was shy and it was was not something I enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just became such a part of my life singing because it was something she made me do that it just became, I guess, a natural choice for me to to go that route. Um, After like, after high school, I started working with some individuals on music, uh, and I was actually working with individuals prior to high school um, when it came to music, but we're going to fast forward to okay. after high school, met some individuals and started working with them. A gentleman by the name of Ray Hunter introduced me to my first manager, Livio Harris. And when he introduced me, um, before I actually even met Livio, Ray came to me and said, I know you want to take your career to the next level. And I don't believe I have the ability to do that. However, I think I found someone who might be able to do that for you. And met with Livio, sang for him. And we started working on a demo when they did demos and doing a photo shoot. and worked for months in the studio, hours on end. I mean, some of the days would be 13-hour days, mm-hmm. um, just getting in the studio from 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon to 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And we just really started sowing seed and, and working and grinding and making sure we had the right songs in place and meeting, you know, and, and in the process he was taken meetings with individuals and met with Max Goose and Roger Romain of Mechadon. And they took an interest in me and my talent and started moving forward with finding some other producers and songwriters that could find 
that song Mm -hmm. ended up coming into contact with some gentlemen by the name of a a group of gentlemen producers that go by mass order. They wrote freak like me freak like me was recorded. They took freak like me to East West and it was East West at the time. Then it turned into Electra and they liked what they heard. They had me record freak like me and then the rest was history. All right. I want to talk about Freak Like Me, but when you first heard it, did you know it was a hit immediately or was there some trepidation? Did did they have to convince you? Were you on board immediately? How did that how did that go? Um, I didn't think much of the song. I I when they sang it to me, they wrote it. I was like, "Okay, cool. I like it." Mm-hmm. And we moved forward with it. And I, it was, it's interesting because I'm in the process of doing my unsung. And they reminded me, because my former manager is a part of the unsung, mm-hmm. reminded me that when it was time to record it in the big studio, because I recorded it in the smaller studio. But once we got into the big studio, I was a little reluctant. And I think it was because I was intimidated by, you know, how big the the production and the situation had become. So I had become a little reluctant at that point. And it wasn't because, like I said, you know, it it was more because of, oh, wow, this is on a whole nother level. Not so much that, oh, this this song isn't me. But I really honestly just was like, okay, let's go ahead and get it done. Once they they coaxed me into doing it, because I think my nerves got the best of me, went in, sang the song, and it blew up. But I didn't really honestly think much about it because I didn't go into the industry with the mindset of, oh, I'm going to be famous. I'm about to blow up. It was just like, okay, let's, it's another day at work. Let's get the job done. Did you have that moment where you're sitting in the car and your song comes on and you start telling everybody? (laughs) So the first time I heard the song, I was actually by myself in the car. Mm -hmm. And it was early in the morning in Los Angeles. And I was, I think I was, it was either Sunset, I think I was driving down Hollywood Boulevard. It was Hollywood or Sunset. I was driving down some street early in the morning because I remember very few of us were on the street. And um, I'm listening to this, I'm listening to the radio and I'm listening to this song. I'm like, well, damn, this song sounds familiar. <laughs> and I really... <laughs> I was like, oh shit, it's me. Ah, you know, I'm like, oh, I got all excited. <laughs> and then it was like, make it or break it after it came out, after it went off. And I was like, and I had to calm myself down. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Get, this is where it gets real. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets real. And they were talking about make it or break it. And, you know, having people call in and they left their, their comments and people liked it. And some people were like, oh, you know, it's different. And I remember the, um, the radio personality saying, well, we'll see what happens with this song if the label gets behind it. And then that was all I remember. It was, I was in the car by myself. Now that was a song maybe a little ahead of its time. Um, Cause now it's it pretty, was a lot. Of, it was way ahead of its time. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, growing up during that time, I think the only other person doing anything close to that might've been um, Patra. And with like the pull up to the bumper and stuff. And I remember that song hit and it was like crazy. And then I started to see it on MTV. And you know, once you got on MTV, man. And I remember right. I even had uh, MTV Jams to go with that was like number two or three on it. I, I'm at college playing that song like it's going out of style. And does that 
does that type of success, does that change everything overnight or does that just mean you have to grind harder for the next one? Um, you know, I never really paid attention. Uh-huh. I really didn't. I just, you know, for me, it was just, it was about going to work and staying focused, really. Um, I don't know that it's made me work harder because I've always been one of those individuals that work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I, I come from a generation of people who believed in doing what was necessary to get to where they wanted to be. We, you know, we weren't, and I wasn't raised um, in an era where everybody was a winner. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we literally had to work at it to be the best that we could possibly be. We had to win. If we lost, we lost. And we knew that we lost. Mm -hmm. So it was always for us about sowing seed and and grinding and, and making sure that we did everything that we were supposed to do to get to the next level. So for me, it it didn't really affect me. It was just like, okay, now it's time to go to work that much more in the sense that, okay, now we've gone to the next level and this is what is required. So with that in mind, what was next? Touring mm-hmm. on the road, um, opening up for different acts like Jodeci, Biggie, Little Kim, Mary J. Blige, um, Puffy. Just a couple AKA people. Diddy, AKA, you know, Brother Love. Um, <laughs> he got a new name know. this week. I don't even know what it is now. Oh, God, I don't even want to know. So it was just, you know, that, that was, it was, you know, that's what it was. It was opening up and just really um, promoting the project. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the next level. That was the next thing to do. And that's what I did. What's it like to look back and, and when you think about, who you're on tour with and the things you've done. That's every, every generation thinks that their music was the best, but I hear increasingly more and more people saying that the nineties R and B and hip hop is definitely a high watermark. Like, you know, in the sixties you had Motown and it's undisputable that that was a high watermark, but I think the nineties are finally getting the recognition as this was something that had never been seen before and may not be seen again. And you're a big part of the fabric of that. Looking back, is it surreal to know that, you, you know, at the time you're just doing your thing? I don't even pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's not so, I, you know, I don't reminisce. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, it was just, and, and maybe it's weird that I don't, but it, it was a phase in my life that I'm truly grateful for. Mm-hmm. But. And I know it changed my life in such a major way, um, but I don't think about it. I really, really don't because um, the here and now is what matters the most. Mm. Because what you did back then while it was all great, um, what are you doing now is what people want to know. So it's more foundational to you. Yes. Okay. I mean, that's a good way to look at it, though, because I think that sometimes people who live in the past can't move forward. You should build on the past. Absolutely. So what was OK? So you started touring and you'd had the, the, the yeah. huge hit, huge hit. Yeah. And then T-shirt and panties was, I think, the next. Uh, and uh, that one. So you was trying to get me in trouble back then because I already couldn't play <laughs> freak like me when my mom was around. <laughs> 
And then you're going to come back with a song. I can't even say the title <laughs> without okay. getting in trouble. Because, you know, I don't care. I don't know about some of y'all, but my mom didn't care if you was in college. <laughs> There's some things you weren't going to wow. say around her. She's like, I ain't mad at her. So <laughs> T-shirt and panties. How does that come about? So I'm working on the second album, Welcome to Fantasy Island. Mm-hmm. And I go, I have studio a studio session this particular day with a gentleman by the name of Billy Moss. And when I walk into the studio, Jamie Foxx is in the studio. And I'm like, okay, there's Jamie. That's what's up. Hey, how you doing? You know what I mean? And um, we're, we're just kind of getting ourselves together before the session starts. And he, he says to me, you know, I have this song that I would like you to hear. And so I was like, okay. He went over to the keyboards. He started playing, you know, the chords and whatnot and singing the song to me. And, I, and what I could hear, I was like, you know what? I like it. Do me a favor, get it demoed and then get it to me so that I can hear it. He had it done within two to three days and I heard it over the phone and fell in love with it. I was like, that's mine. And my and I was like, okay, we'll we'll get it taken care of. And that's how it happened. And I think this was back then before he was really, really singing and he was still more focused on comedy at that point, right? This was around the end of the living single or not living single in living yeah. color days. In living color. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um that song was uh that was a moment. And uh, it instantly <laughs> went on people's uh, slow jams list, and <laughs> and um, there's really no yes. no other way to 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 say that. <laughs> like the first then, one got the know, party started. The second one, yeah, the second one was like, yeah, we left the party, and uh, <laughs> some things are being right, explained. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, God, I can't, like, I mean, I had it on cassette. Yes, people, cassette, shut up. And, um, I know, right? Right. <laughs> I had, CDs was you very expensive, that. okay? <laughs> CDs Way. Was, man. Um, man, I don't even know where to go with, with that one. Uh, that song took off, and un- I think it was a little unexpected because it was kind of from left field. And no one saw it coming, but when it hit, it hit. So how yeah. does that, what, what, what's from there? Like what, what's next after that? It's so interesting because there was so much going on before T-shirt and panties came out. Um, I was reckless with my mouth and it, the whole project ended up being put on hold. Mm-hmm. But initially when T-shirt and panties was done and I wanted it to be the first single off of the second album, the label, I guess, sent it to radio stations and they were like, the song is too risque and they didn't (laughs) want to put it on radio. So, so they ended up putting it on the Woo soundtrack, which was a movie that Jada Pinkett Mm -hmm. Smith and Tommy Davidson was in. And so they put it on that soundtrack and that's where it got the attention. And it just, it really took off. But at that point in time, I had stepped away from the music industry because I just got tired of dealing with the BS that I was dealing with. And um, 
the, just the stress of having to deal with a business that I wasn't familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew to be the artist. I knew to show up when I was supposed to show up and do what it was I was asked to do. But when it came to the business aspect of it, it was something that I wasn't familiar with. And for those individuals that had some inkling of how it worked or they knew how it worked, they weren't educating me. And there was just a lot of, um, just a lot of shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was taking place. And I just, I was over it and decided to just walk away from the industry. Uh, Like I said, part of it was because of my recklessness with my mouth, where the label had ended up um, putting me on ice, you know, so to speak, you know, blackballing me, blacklisting me, whatever you want to call it. And, And so a lot of people wouldn't necessarily deal with me. And I was like, well, whatever, moving on. The industry didn't make me and it's not gonna break me. Right. I can I can find something else to do. So I disappeared for a moment, only for t shirt and panties to blow up and ended up getting a phone call from a booking agent. Like, you know, people have been looking for you. T shirt and panties has blown up and people are wanting to do shows and nobody could find you. I was like, Well, because I didn't want to be found. <laughs> but <laughs> but I ended up getting, somebody ended up locating me and I ended up going back on the road and doing shows. And, um, that's what it was. Went back to work. That's cause that's what I know to do. I read somewhere that you're like, um, a culinary artist. Like you've done the whole Cordon Bleu thing. Is that, that's true? Yes, 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 yes. I love the kitchen. All right. There's a certain uh, overlap, though. It's uh, an artistry to both. Of, um, like you're expressing Absolutely. yourself through food instead of music, but it's still an expression of the soul, so to speak. Look at me Absolutely. being poetic. <laughs> I hear you. I, I, trust me, I heard that. I was like, damn. So how do you make that decision? Or was that something that was always on the radar? Um, I've always been like my mother is a great cook and my dad is just like a beast in the kitchen mm-hmm. so I've been around people who know how to throw down and I I picked it up however when I walked away from the industry and then I started to see you know the decline in my popularity I just was like okay lord you know what there's something else that I can do like this is not the only thing I'm capable of doing, there's more than one talent that that is in me. What is it? And I kept hearing people say, you know what, you ought to, you really ought to sell your food because I would cook for people because I just loved cooking for people. And they would tell me how great it was and I ought to sell it and yada, yada, yada. And never, I didn't know what to do with that and how to do it. But I knew that I wanted to go back to school. However, I didn't know what I wanted to go back to school for. And years of praying, it finally came to me to go to culinary school. And I got my degree, my associate's degree in culinary arts, worked as a line cook for two years at um, a, a resort in Chandler, Arizona. Got my, got my kitchen chop and uh, went from there, stayed you know, in the kitchen for a little bit and then went back to music. Because I, I, I again put my career on hold for education, because one of the things that I recognize is music is always going to be there, mm-hmm. no matter what. It's always going to be there. And my mother had always said to me, make sure you have a plan B. And when 
my popularity started declining and, you know, there weren't as many shows coming to the table, I still had to eat. I still had to pay bills. I still had to live. And so that for me was the best choice. And you are so correct. Food and music, you know, pe- like, like they're like peanut butter and jelly. They go hand in hand. It's, you know, and it's it's definitely a way for me to express myself. And I look at it as a look at it as another form of seduction. Mm. Is it hard to choose between the two? No, I'm an and person. I don't I don't have to choose anything. Okay. You know, I, I'm you know I tell people all the time if I want chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, I'm gonna get chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Mm. I don't have to choose. I, I'm not an I'm I'm not an or person. I'm an and person. So can we expect like a cookbook down the road, a cookbook that comes with a soundtrack? When I stop procrastinating, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is the thing about the cookbook for me uh-huh. is I, I, I season to taste. Okay. So I don't measure anything, which can be a little difficult when it comes to a cookbook because my palate is refined to an extent that I know exactly what it is I'm wanting to taste. And so I keep throwing stuff at the food and I'm on autopilot. So I don't know half the time what I'm doing. And my, my ex-husband will tell you, um, yeah, you, she doesn't make the same thing twice. And if she does make it, it doesn't taste the same. It always tastes different. What? Okay. If you were going to go and sing your last song, this was a song that you would be judged on for the rest of your life. What would that song be? And vice versa, if you were making one dish, what would that dish be? Oh, man, that's good. <laughs> that darn. Um, geez, oh, Pete's. I would choose Blasphemy. Okay. The new single. Yes. Because it, um, it's where I am today. It's, I'm, I'm awake, still awakening, you know, I'm aware. I'm more about unity in, especially in our communities. So that would be a song for me, especially, you know, loving my people and just wanting us to get it together. That would be a song that I would sing, that I would want people to remember me for. Um, my dish. Oh my gosh. I can't stand you right now. Um, (laughs) man, can I do a buffet? (laughs) You got one dish. You setting it down on the table and that's it for you. Gosh. Well, I will say my shrimp and grits. Okay. Because that's the one thing I know people, you know, once they get a taste of it, they, they're fiending for it. Is it the loose, watery IHOP grits or is it the kind of thick grits like your grandmother would have handed you? Uh, no, it's creamy. They're creamy. It's, it's, okay. They're not thick and they're not loose. They're just right. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> like the family feud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clapping up right now. Because I don't like, I don't like, you know, for me, it has the, the I'm about texture. Okay. So it has to, the mouthfeel has to be everything. And if it's too thick where it's, it gets clumpy and it's like dry, that's oh, so no. disrespectful. Yeah. And then if it's runny, 
It's like, what's the point? Right. No. It's just falling apart. No disparagement to IHOP, but y'all know what y'all putting on those tables. Um, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't eat it with a fork, I don't want it. Okay. <laughs> We're never going to get a sponsor from IHOP. <laughs> We'll find something else. I'm sure they have something else that we can do. As a matter yeah. of fact, they're not even IHOP <laughs> no. anymore. They're, uh, what are they? Uh, IHOP. IHOP now? Did they really change it to IHOP? I thought or people were like lying to me. I thought it was an Instagram lie, and it is the truth. I saw a commercial. <laughs> they're switching to burgers. Nobody asked for that. What? Nobody walked by an IHOP and said, you know, I wish they had nine burgers on the menu. That's not why we were there. Okay, so wait, so wait, so they, they're like going. Okay, I thought maybe it was like another brand. Like somebody said, okay, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take do a knockoff of IHOP and do IHOP. Nope. So IHOP is now IHOP. Yes, the International House of Burgers. Are you freaking kidding me? I am not. There was a, a commercial oh, on the other God. night. I thought that was okay. I told you, man, I thought it was an Instagram lie. I was like, they're messing around too much today. I, I have no time for this. Then I saw the commercial. So no more pancakes and, and French I'm, toast? I'm unclear, but they better not. Do you know how many clubs you've gone to, and at the end of the night, you stop at the IHOP? I know! I'm not stopping for a burger. Right? <laughs> Jeez. I, now you got me. Now you got me all upset. Damn it! <laughs> hey man, I'm sorry to break the news to you, but oh, talk about not I knowing who that. you are. No, I saw that, but I was like, okay, like I said, but I was like, well, maybe now there's gonna be an IHOP and an IHOP. Mm-mm. I didn't realize they actually just said, "Screw it, we're not gonna be IHOP anymore." And man, that's that's, that's booty. Right, that's trash. I don't know why, but that's what they decided to do. Uh, now I'm stuck with Denny's. <laughs> man. <laughs> like, and I can't stand Waffle House. Oh, oh, man. Waffle House. I call them Waffle House. They've been in the news a lot lately for the wrong things. All the wrong mm. things. Mm. Well, they should have been in the news a long time ago. <laughs> the food is terrible. We're not getting a Waffle House sponsor. <laughs> I don't want one. <laughs> I don't do smothered and covered. No. All right, Dennis, you're the only one we got left. You got to step up. Man. I'm Either that or when this is all over, you open a pancake uh, chain. You know, having a brick and mortar, being that I was a line cook mm-hmm. and I got to see the inner workings of a restaurant, mm-hmm. that really made me think long and hard about owning a restaurant, especially a brick and mortar, because people do not have the respect for what you have to pay for because they don't have to make the investment. I used to hear glasses and, you know, dishware, all that stuff just crashed to the ground. I was like, oh my gosh, y'all don't even understand how much money that is. Mm. It, uh, It would break my heart. You know, and and just how much food is wasted and how you cannot take the leftover food and give it to anyone because you can get sued for that. Right. If they get sick. You know, I've always so wondered a, that. 
Yeah, all my, we used to throw away so much food at the end of my shift or at the end of the night. It would break my heart because I'm like, do you know how many people are out here starving mm-hmm. and we just want a, a, a good cooked meal and we have to throw pounds of food in the trash because it's a liability. That's crazy. It's crazy. I used to, um, when we were little, they would take you on the Krispy Kreme tours, which is really just an invitation to diabetes. But let's just move past that. And, right, um, but when the hot sign is on, it's so worth it. Man, I like when the hot sign is on and you're driving by, you start reevaluating the plans for the next 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> I, I, I always, let me tell you, I always do a U-turn. Mm. I don't give a god darn. I'm going to do a U-turn. Man, and I you can finish those first four or five straight. so quick. It's almost like they I don't feel, exist. I can only do one. Really? Only, because it's so sweet. Oh, my God. I can only do one. I only want one. I just need to go ahead and, and, and get that, that itch off of me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that fiending moment. Get it off me and I'm good. I so, can only do one. So, Krispy Kreme, if you want to sponsor the next tour, I'm just saying. That's what's up. Nah, <laughs> we're not opposed to that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um. I forgot what we were even talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about my my last dish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So shrimp and grits. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So from from the line cook, when did you to make the decision to jump back into music with a like full force? Um, probably two and a half years afterwards, because I got bored with the kitchen because I wasn't learning anything. I wasn't growing. There was no upward movement mm-hmm. and I was like you know what I, I gotta do something that's gonna keep my attention and music was it because I get bored really fast so I'm like I, I have to do something that's going to keep me motivated and occupied and excited and what was the first project that you worked on the first project that I worked on was Resurrection, this this project that's out now. Okay. Um, and the first song was on this particular project was Radiation. I started working with a young king by the name of King Gas, and he just he sent me this song, and I listened to it, and I was actually driving to California, I believe, at the time, and the entire drive there. I believe I listened to that song or at least the the first three hours. I just played that song over and over again. And like, did the words just come to you? It was already written. How did you make it? It was already written. Okay. He had submitted the song and he was like, I wrote this for you and I want you to tell me what you think. And I, like I said, when I heard it, I instantly fell in love with it. And I called him. I was like, okay, what is it that you want? And he said, I just want to get my foot in the door. I said, too easy. <laughs> Let's go to work. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of person I don't celebrate holidays. So I was willing to work on Christmas, but we started the project um, the day after Christmas. So where does blasphemy come from? Blasphemy comes from towards like the end of the project. And King and I, we would always talk about you know, different subject matters because I'm a talker and, you know, I always I have a lot being a creative person. You have so much go on in your head and and really looking at how our people are um, 
not loving on each other and not respecting each other and bitches, niggas, hoes, and all of this derogatory stuff um, that is getting thrown around. Um, and when it's being thrown around, it's being geared towards us. We're, we're saying these things to each other. And it's just, I, I felt it was blasphemy. I was like, that's, it's disrespectful. Why would you go so far to the point where you just want to disrespect you know, someone from your tribe or someone from, you know, your quote unquote racial group, especially when as a whole, we need to come together and just going through the thought process of how it hurts my heart and how I just really felt it was blasphemy. I was like, we got to write a song and he wrote it and it's one of my favorites. The visuals, where do the visuals for the video come from? Um, producer, director, Nikki Allen, Okay. she heard the song and, um, I told her, I just, you know, come up with a concept and she came up with a concept and I, I did the styling and it just so happened that it came together the way that it did because I had already started getting the, um, all of the attire, like the the wings and the masks and things of that nature, because I had a visual in my head that, because one of the things that I tell people is I'm an earthed angel. Um, I know this, I'm heaven sent, but earth bound. And I knew, I know this about me. And that was something that I wanted to convey. And it just so happened that the video was the platform for it. And the song happened to be able to be that message to get that across as well. Now you said that this would be the last song that you would do if uh, if it all came down to it. What does it mean to you for you? Um, it's it, what it means to me is it's a message. It's a, it's a it's um a calling for our people to get it together. I like in my um my EPK, it's a battle cry to say you know what we as a people need to get it together because we are the only ones that can solve our problems. We can't look to the government to solve our problems. We can't look to quote unquote white people to solve our problems. We are the solution because we are the problem. And it to me, it just, it gives, how can I say it? It's, it's a song that paints a, it, to me, it paints a picture of what needs to be done. And it it sows seed into the listeners to say, look, we got to fix this. We can't look to them to fix us. We are the only ones that can do that. And we have to understand that as long as we continue to stay divided, they'll continue to conquer. And we have to we have to come together because we're powerful in numbers. We everybody knows this. It, there's power in numbers, you know. And and for me, that's what it means. It's like we're a powerful people. We are an amazing people. We just have to see that. We have to recognize that God didn't make no mess, and we need to stop acting the fool. And, and we're we're being messy, and we're being messy towards each other. Colorism is real, you know. Frowning up because you're light skin or dark skin or what a brown skin or whatever the case may be. It's like what good is that doing anybody? 
It's not helping you out. It's not going to get you a job. It's not going to do anything for you to be against the very person that should be on your team. I want to ask you a little bit about the difference between how artists are viewed uh, now versus how they were viewed um, the 80s and 90s. It seems like artists now are, are more able to um, stand up for a social cause or, or flex the responsibility that they may have with the platform that they have. Um, where do you think that change came from? And um, do you see it continuing? I think the change came about with awareness. Um, there's a generation of youth that I think because of technology, they're able to reach more people. They're more, it, and it's so crazy because social media has made people antisocial, mm. but technology has connected so, so many of us that are like-minded. I think that that's where the, you know, the change came and they recognize the power and the platform of technology, specifically social media. And not all, but quite a few are recognizing that I have influence and they're doing something about that. You know, whatever that cause may be for them, they're they're putting it out there like we if you are if you rock with me then we need to go ahead and, and get this together mm -hmm. so what's next oh my goodness what's next um inspirational speaking is next mm -hmm. um it's something that i'm i'm passionate about it's something that i do very well i talk <laughs> and um and the beautiful thing is the creator gave me a platform and and, um, and influence. And so people listen. And um, that's, that's what's next for me. Because it takes me out of the box that music, um, unfortunately, has put me in. And there's also television, you know, we, you know, talk shows and cookbooks and maybe a cooking show. But, you know, whatever I desire to do, mm -hmm. whatever whatever path I choose to take, it's going to be successful. And that's one of the things that I do know is, is when I make my mind up and I decide to go that route, there's no stopping me. I I forgot to ask you about this, but I saw somewhere that you're, you've done some acting as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. So cooking, music, uh -huh. public speaking, yeah. acting. Uh -huh. Is, is yes. there anything else you want to tell me about that I don't know yet? <laughs> um, I think motherhood might be next. Oh. I'm not sure. Okay. Might be. Might be. I find the right one. <laughs> I, I think I would like to be a mom in this life. Might be a Krispy Kreme some night with the <laughs> red light on. For some right. reason, T-shirt and panties starts playing. It's weird, but uh, let's go with it. <laughs> Guy walks up and says, I got one left, one last donut. What you want to do? I can't. <laughs> Might change so everything for you. I'm just saying, you know, you never know. Hey, you know, Krispy Kreme is that way. Is that crack? Krispy Kreme is crack, I'm telling you. Just Once again, I might, get that, I might get that twitch. We will accept a sponsorship, Krispy Kreme. 
Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We're setting up romances at your your establishments. <laughs> so, where do you see yourself in five years? Five years from now, where will I see you? Canada, I hope. Canada. Canada. I love Toronto, so I'm hoping um, out of this country. Okay. I want to live in another country. Um, I want to experience, because I, I've been blessed with the privilege to be able to travel the world. Um, I've been able to see so many beautiful places and meet so many different beautiful people. Um, staying in America just isn't inviting to me anymore. I don't know if it's, I think it's, it's a combination of things. It's the combination of of the negativity that's in this world, um, the combination that it includes the government, um, just the fallout of the foolishness for mm. me is just, I have no desire to be where love doesn't reside. And I know no matter where I go, there's always going to be some something negative. However, um, there are places in this world that embrace us and and we embrace us and i desire to be around that versus this the shenanigans of this country so in 5 years i plan i would like to see myself in toronto um i would like to be a successful inspirational speaker. Um, I would like for music to be a hobby, a money-making hobby. Mm. That's where I see myself in five years, music being a money-making hobby. I live in Toronto doing inspirational speaking globally. With a food truck. I just had to throw that, that in there. Up. Yes, I will take a food truck all day. Absolutely. Or... Just saying, sponsors, we could open a Krispy Kreme. Look at here. I am not opposed to franchises either. One of the things that our people have to understand is there is a great deal of money in franchises. Mm. We have to start investing in businesses. We have to start understanding economic literacy and, and really investing in businesses. That's important. And so I am not opposed to having, because I do love me some Krispy Kreme. I'm not opposed to Krispy Kreme. Only deal I have with you is the hot sign has to stay on constantly. That trying to figure out <laughs> when it's on type stuff. I love y'all, but y'all got to get that together. <laughs> there is, there, there's a location. I can't remember where, where it is, but there's a location where the hot sign stays on. All right. Now, I'm not saying that I'll give tickets to something to someone if they can figure out where that is. But listeners, I'm dependent on you. We need that. <laughs> you are so funny. Um, look, I I really appreciate this. Um, thank you for taking the time out. Never forget you are a legend. Never forget that you have open the door for a lot of people who probably won't acknowledge that they couldn't do what they do if you hadn't done it first. 
And please tell That's everybody okay. where to find, like, how can the fans get in contact with you? How can they figure out what's next, where, where they can find you? So if they go to adinahoward.com, they can keep updated. You know, they can stay updated with my location, where I'm going to be. Um, they can also go to Instagram, which is the real Adina Howard, T-H-E. Uh, Facebook, Adina Howard, Twitter, Adina Howard, YouTube page is Adina Howard page. Um, what else do I have? SoundCloud, Adina Howard. I think everything is Adina Howard except for uh, Instagram because somebody had the nerve to jack that. We're going to find you. I'm sorry. I got a little right? excited. <laughs> get the IP address. Right. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> somebody get on that one too. Yeah, I have two homework okay. assignments. We need that Krispy Kreme address. And somebody find the person who's got the Instagram. And um, legally, we can't ask you to do this. So I'm just speaking uh, hypothetically. Somebody could, you know, report them for a bunch of stuff. Well, well, you know what? I finally was able to shut it down. Oh, okay. But they will not give me my name. Y'all ain't got no mother. Sorry. Just saying. They won't give me my name. I'm just like, really? Seriously? What do and you they need it for? To, they have yet to verify me, which is crazy, but who am I? You're just out here taking people's names. Y'all ain't got nothing to do with y'all time. No. And then the crazy part about it is they took my name and then had the nerve to post pictures up of me. So they was out there catfishing on your Instagram account. Right. But the crazy part about the situation was they would just post, they, they did this like puzzle type thing where they would just did one big picture they took the you know the little squares or whatever made mm-hmm. one big picture but they wouldn't respond to anything maybe it was, it was a fan food. they were just trying to be like the adina howard fine club or something i mean that's cool but at the same time it's like dude you, you messed my situation up <laughs> that's like, not your name <laughs> right it's like, come on man really man that ain't cool no um, please come back again for any reason i don't care just you know just feeling it that day just swing by and give us a call and we'll put put it online on the air wherever we do this thing we do um welcome to the family you are now an auntie thank you and aunties have privileges they can just come in and do whatever especially if they want to cook i'm not saying that i'm going to use you for your culinary abilities but i'm not not saying that either You know, just putting that out there too. But you can definitely utilize me for col- my culinary abilities. I love to feed people. So if ever we are in the same space and place and there is a kitchen around and I have time to, you know, put that whoop on you, I will absolutely do that. Plus, you owe me from getting me in trouble with them songs back in the day. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, I'll me trying that. to explain what these titles are. <laughs> you, <laughs> you're just out there living life, and I'm at home trying to figure things out. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. <laughs> I got right. you. I, I owe you a meal, because I know you probably got an ass with me. <laughs> <laughs> I was grown. No, I didn't. <laughs> you said, I like the way you said that. My mom, mm. You said to bite your tongue, huh? <laughs> I mean, because you know it always ended. And if you don't like it, you can move. Where am I going to go? 
Right. You ain't got no like, job. It's like, it's a young, broken, young, broken, dumb. Right. You, ain't you, going nowhere. You throwing that that challenge out there like I'm going to jump at it. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to say, you know what? I will live in the streets. How about that? Okay. Like that sounds like a good idea. Right. <laughs> I'm not stupid. I just make bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> all right i really appreciate it and we got to do this again absolutely absolutely all thank right. you for making me laugh we want to thank the legendary athena howard for stopping by the brownstone and sharing with us her amazing story this was one of our favorite conversations and we hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed speaking with her hit her website and social media for upcoming tour dates and how to find the music Check us out at viewfromthestoop.com, Brownstone MG on Instagram, Brownstone on SoundCloud, Brownstone on Facebook. Leave us a comment. Check out the Brownstone Top 10 Plus 2 on Spotify. Definitely let us know what you think, family. We do everything for you. And if we don't hear from you, we never know what you want to hear. Until next time, love. <laughs>